What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Blockhash podcast. Before we get started, quick message from our sponsors, BNFT and Nitro Betting. BNFT is a groundbreaking platform that combines the unstoppable force of blockchain technology and the limitless potential of artificial intelligence AI to revolutionize personalized learning and earning experiences. BNFT leverages AI to create immersive educational environments for collaboration and utilizes DeFi to transcend traditional e-learning experiences. You can also earn exclusive certificates and showcase your achievements with unique NFTs. Learn more by going to bnft.solutions and their social media channels. Now, Nitro Betting, again, one of my favorites, is a top Bitcoin and crypto betting site that allows you to place bets in casino games, sports books, racing, gaming, you name it. It's your money. It's your crypto. You should be able to have fun with it outside of traditional investing. Check out all the action at nitrobetting.eu. All links are in the description below. Enjoy the episode, guys. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Blockhash Exploring the Blockchain, episode 350. Really getting up there now. Um, today, I have Rachel Wolfson on the show. She's a reporter for Cointelegraph. She's an author, a speaker, and host of her own podcast, founder as well of Web3 Deep Dive. Rachel, welcome to the show. Pleasure to have you today. Thanks, Brandon. It's a pleasure to be here. And it feels different that I'm not doing the interview, that I'm actually the one being interviewed this time. I know. I've been there a few times, and it's it's a little weird when you're used to doing the interviews yourself, and then you get interviewed. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really, it's really weird. But yeah, happy to be a guest here today. So thanks for having me. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, tell me a little bit more in the audience, a bit more about yourself and how you kind of wound up in Web3. How did you decide to become a reporter? Did you have a background in that? Um, what's your story? Yeah, so that's a good question. So it all started in 2017 when I was living in San Francisco, surprise, surprise, and learned about blockchain technology there. And so basically I had a friend who told me about blockchain in 2017, how it was being used for supply chain management. So it was all about the technology side of things. At that time, I was a contributing writer for Huffington Post, and I thought that blockchain was really interesting. I read this company's white paper about how it was being used for supply chain management. And so I wrote a short little article for fun, put it on my Huffington Post column, and it blew up. Like A lot of people were interested in it. Then I started getting more interested in it. So I kept learning about blockchain, about cryptocurrency, and kept writing about it. Um, after Huffington Post, I was with Forbes for a few years on their crypto team writing about the topic. And then um, in 2019, I became a reporter with Cointelegraph, and that's where I currently am now. Um, and then in March of this year, so March 2023, I started my own podcast called Web3 Deep Dive. It's not a part of Cointelegraph. It's my own project, and I have about 20 or so episodes now. It's all about Web3 and just education around the industry. Nice. Have you yeah. have you been interviewing people for your podcast? Yeah, yeah. I have uh, 20 episodes, like I said. Mm -hmm. um, I came in strong. I started during consensus. 
So I, I live part-time in Austin. So I, uh, there's a studio that I use in Austin during consensus. Everybody was here. Mm -hmm. So I had guests on like David Schwartz and Yatsu and, uh, if I, I may be mispronouncing his name. So apologies yet. Um, just a lot of big names in the industry that were at consensus. And then I interviewed Gary V at VCon. Um, so yeah, like lots of big names so far, but that's because I've been in the industry for so long. I've made all of these connections over the years. And so I could just like come on with like big names. Very nice. I saw the VCon one too. That, that looked really cool. That was a good interview. Um, Thanks. I also know you're a speaker too, and you're also an author, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, um, I speak at a ton of conferences across the world. Uh, upcoming conferences include Rare Evo, that one's in Denver in August, and then uh, the Ripple Apex the XRP Developer Conference in Amsterdam in September. I'll be there speaking and interviewing David Schwartz again on stage. Um, and yes, I've written a book. It's a Bitcoin ebook for beginners. It's on Amazon. I wrote that a few years ago. Yeah, a few years ago. So I need to update it. <laughs> Gotcha. I'm excited to check that out. It's on Amazon, correct? Correct. Yes. But like I said, Brandon, I need to update it. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, Celsius is actually in there because mm -hmm. at the time I wrote the book, I, right. I, I knew Alex Mashinsky. I know Alex Mashinsky. And so I, I included some comments from Celsius, which is why, you know, lots of a lot has changed in the crypto industry, right, right. so got to update that. <laughs> I know 2022 was quite a whirlwind. I think it's uh, very different today than it was a year ago, for sure. Um, I want to talk about XRP, too. I know you've been covering that quite a bit. You mentioned it just a few minutes ago as well. Um, it's quite a development to see you know Ripple come out so positive within the case that they had with the SEC and to actually... Um, get a bit of a win. I kind of want to get your thoughts overall on it. You know, what does it kind of mean now that XRP in and of itself, you know, isn't considered security, um, at least on the retail side? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I've been really interested in this court ruling ever since I found out about it, because I think that, you know, initially when you read the news and you see the headlines that the media is posting, you're like, wow, this is a major win for the crypto industry. You know, let's celebrate. And, and it is actually, it is. It's a major milestone for the crypto industry, the XRP ruling saying that XRP tokens that are sold on exchanges are not securities. So if I had bought XRP, you know, a few years ago on an exchange, it is not considered a security. Um, yes, that's a major milestone, but there's a lot more to consider here. There still is not a clear regulatory framework for digital assets in the United States because of this one court ruling. It does put the industry steps closer, that's for sure. It does prompt, or at least we're hoping it prompts Congress to start acting and creating a framework around digital assets in the United States. But there's definitely more to this case than what meets the eye. And so I think it's really important as an industry for us to understand that it is a major accomplishment, but there's so much more that can happen with this case. When you say that there's more than meets the eye to, I think, what most people see in regards to this, I mean, they just take away quite a win, I think, for most of crypto, and that's reflected in the markets. Um, but what what's more to it that you see that maybe others aren't? Yeah. 
So, well, I, I listened into a Twitter space a few days ago. I forget what it was, but somebody, and I think he had an accent, maybe he wasn't based in the United States, was saying, wow, the United States finally has a clear regulatory framework for digital assets. That's not the case. And maybe people outside of the United States hear the news and, and they don't know how um, the congressional system works here. Right. And so they may think that, yes, all of a sudden this court ruling means that we have clear framework for digital assets, but we don't. So basically, I think it's important for people to remember that um, that the SEC could possibly appeal the court ruling. That's a possibility. Um, and that may change things a little bit. It's unlikely for that to happen right away. It may take months. It may take years for that to happen. Um, so there are just things that could happen. Basically, what this means is that it's a win for the crypto industry because the SEC was saying digital assets are securities. And then we have this court ruling that shows actually XRP for retail investors are not considered securities. So that kind of shows that there really isn't a law in place in the United States that says all digital assets are securities. That's the win for the crypto industry. But, you know, there's still so much more that needs to be done. Of course, I'm not a lawyer. I wasn't involved in the case. And I actually just interviewed two, two lawyers that know about this, you know, a lot more than I do. But I, that's the message that I want to get across. Um, Brandon, another thing that I can mention is I spoke with Representative Richie Torres for a Coin Telegraph article that I published. I saw that. A few, yeah, so I published that a few days ago. Um, he basically told me on the phone that um, that this actually protects inst institutional investors, but leaves mm -hmm. retail investors exposed. Basically. My takeaway from that was that retail vest that uh, you know retail investors, we still don't have that regular that clarity that framework that we need. So basically, if we continue to buy tokens on digital asset exchanges, they may still be securities. This one court ruling doesn't mean that every single token sold on exchanges are not securities. It just means that XRP token, like the ruling said that those were not, but it doesn't mean an exchange can come in and you know launch a token and say, oh, this isn't a security because of the XRP court ruling. Therefore, retail investors are still at risk. So I think that's the point that he wanted to get across. And I'm, right. I'm saying that as best I can got from it, what got I understand. It. Do you feel like this maybe opens it up the door at least for another agency to come in and try to gain a little bit of footing in this turf war that I feel like has been going on. Like the CFTC, for example, they've claimed a lot of things, um, including Ethereum is a commodity in, in their eyes. With you know rulings like this, you think it maybe is possible that they could come in and they could try to regulate a little bit harder now that the SEC has um, kind of got to take a step back and reassess everything? Yeah. I mean, I think that, that, we're, that a lot of these, you know, players that want to create regulatory frameworks, they have to take a step back and they have to consider this court ruling, which is why it's so massive. I mean, the SEC has to take a step back and consider the court ruling and the implications here. 
Um, it's interesting because we've got the Coinbase case going on right now. And so I'm just curious to see how that's going to play out, what the judge is going to rule there with the court ruling based on um, what we've seen with the XRP case. Are they going to take that those same factors into consideration or are they not? Um, we'll just have to wait and see. I do think that the XRP court ruling will impact cases like Coinbase and Binance that are happening in the United States right now. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you on that. Um, have you been you've been covering the Coinbase um, saga, right? Personally, I haven't covered it myself. I mean, Coin Telegraph has done a great job of covering all you know all the crypto news that's been happening. But I do think that the XRP court ruling sets an example for these cases that are happening in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I don't think we're going to see immediately are companies that are operating offshore start flocking to the United States because mm -hmm. of the XRP court ruling. I spoke with a friend of mine who's a chief legal officer uh, for a crypto exchange that's basically setting up operations in Australia right now. And she was like, we're not going to move our operations to the United States just because of the XRP court ruling. There are so many things that are still left unclear. So I do think, you know, the results of Coinbase and Binance, that's going to be extremely interesting. And then maybe eventually, maybe in a few years, we'll start seeing companies come to America to set up shop. Yeah, I think the key is really going to be some kind of bill or legislation getting passed at some point. And, you know, given it does take time, unfortunately, to get anything through Congress these days, but hopefully something does. And maybe, you know, seeing this ruling in court will kind of empower some more politicians to really get behind a bill and create some clarity because um, it, it's it's really bad for the U.S. to see all this innovation leaving and see so much VC money popping up in Europe um, and companies threatening to leave the U.S. and going to Hong Kong, Singapore, the UAE, places where there's jurisdictions that are way more favorable. Um, so I, I'm hoping that the court decision, obviously it's not an end all be all for crypto is or isn't a security, but hopefully it's a positive step in the right direction from a regulatory perspective. Definitely. And yeah, like I said, it is, it is a, it is a step in the right direction for sure, but it's not the end all be all. It's not like, oh, the United mm -hmm. States has clear regulatory framework for digital assets. Let's all move there and set up shop. Right. Because if that's the case, I mean, even airdrops, like airdrops are still risky. Like there's just, there's not a framework for this yet. So I just think people need to understand that. Yeah. That's the interesting thing about crypto and web three. There's always a new question every day. Cause there's so much development innovation going on. Um, I want to pivot to Bitcoin a little bit too. It seems like it's one of the few, if not the only cryptos out there that is, I think, skirting a lot of the regulatory problems. Even the SEC has said that Bitcoin likely isn't even considered a security um, and we've seen a swath of Bitcoin ETFs getting filed and the SEC actually putting them on the federal register. Um, we've seen presidential candidate RFK come out and say that he wants to take Bitcoin and back the US dollar with it. There's been a lot of positive news surrounding Bitcoin. What, what are your thoughts kind of on Bitcoin at this point in time here in 2023? And um, I think the steady pace of, of growth that it's starting to see. Yeah. Well, I've always been a supporter of Bitcoin. I've got my Bitcoin pillows behind me. <laughs> I see it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think I think that a Bitcoin spot ETF would be great for the industry as a whole. Obviously, like that would most likely get us out of this quote unquote bear, 
bear market. Um, will that happen anytime soon? I don't know. I mean, I hope it will, but mm -hmm. I, I have a feeling just personally, it, it, it may not. Um, but I do think that once it does, and I do think that it will happen, um, yeah, that's going to drive a lot more innovation, a lot more institutional interest in Bitcoin. And, you know, the price will likely go up, but I don't think that we are there yet. Just personally, I think that there's a lot that needs to be done in order for us to get there. Um, you also mentioned RFK Jr. backing or wanting to back the U.S. dollar with Bitcoin. I think mm -hmm. that's great. Um, I'm all for that, especially as the U.S. dollar weakens. I think that backing it with an asset like Bitcoin makes a lot of sense. Um, so we'll just have to see how that plays out. Hey guys, quick message from our sponsor, Nitro Betting. Nitro Betting takes your desire for anonymity seriously, seriously, and allows you to play without the need to worry about identity checks, personal information, all that kind of stuff. It's a betting site, not an investment site. You should be able to just have fun. As a top trusted Bitcoin betting site, Nitro Betting has got your back. Back to the episode, guys. Absolutely. Obviously, there are a lot of things happening in the space right now, and it's it's quite hectic to to keep your head above water with all of it. I'm sure you understand as a podcaster, it's like every time you talk to someone or interview someone, like there's new information every single day. There's a new protocol. There's a new solution. There's a new use case. Um, there, there's always so much going on. Um, how, how do you feel about crypto just generally right now as a space, you know, kind of going into the rest of 2023? I know we're all expecting you know, the Bitcoin halving is coming up, you know, in 2024 and that in the spring. And usually that's a good sign that we head into a bull cycle. Um, people are very optimistic around certain cryptocurrencies right now. Just overall curious, you know, what your thoughts are on the state of the industry, um, not just in the U.S., but maybe globally, where I think a lot of innovation is, is taking place, too. Yeah. Well, there's one thing that I want to mention before I answer that question, and it's just that I think that Bitcoin is being politicized right now. And, and, and I, you know, I don't think that it should be, mm -hmm. I don't want to see that happen because, you know, it, it just shouldn't. So when I hear about Bitcoin being discussed as like an asset to back the U S dollar, I think that's great. But I also think that whenever you politicize something, it just causes a lot of problems. So just going to leave that comment there based on what we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. um, the state of the crypto, crypto industry as a whole. Um, yeah, I guess we're in a bear market, right? But we've seen worse. Um, I'm, I'm still a big supporter. I personally, I think prices will go up. Like I said, when we do see a, um, a Bitcoin spot ETF, like prices will go up and we'll see more innovation. But as of now, I think that people are really focused on building and, not so much about prices at the moment, which is great because they're building solutions to power Web3. Got it. Uh, going back to the the last um, quote you left with the Bitcoin being politicized, do you think it's bad that it gets injected into politics as, you know, like a talking point and it's something where, you know, people kind of weaponize it for voting in politics and getting elected? Um, or do you have another view on it that maybe, you know, when it gets politicized, it's, it's kind of a bad thing. Cause I've seen it both ways. Like it's been used to like kind of target the industry in certain ways, but I've also seen it really been hyped up in good ways too. So just kind of curious what your thoughts are on that. 
Yeah. I mean, I do think that it makes sense for some candidates to want to say like, we're all about Bitcoin so they can get votes. Right. Sure. And you know, that in my mind just shouldn't be the case. Like if you really believe in Bitcoin, that's great, but you shouldn't use it as like a tool just to get people to support you. You should understand um, it. Exactly. Yeah. Actually speaking with representative Richie Torres, I could tell that he really, you know, at least from the conversation that we had, I felt that he really did believe in the technology side of things. Like he really was all about, or he is about blockchain technology and how it can be used to, you know, for digital transformation. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I hear politicians speak about the industry in that way, speak about the technology side of things versus like Bitcoin as an instrument to, you know, to do whatever, um, I, I, I feel more comfortable, I guess. Do you think most politicians have mo a good understanding of crypto at this point yet? Or do you think it's still something that's, you know, a bit hard for them to comprehend? I know it can be a very complex space and there's so many moving parts from NFTs to DeFi to stable coins, to CBDCs, um, to remittance payments, supply chain, et cetera. Um, you know, when you, when you talk to a politician like that, do you feel that they really fully understand what the technology can do or do they just kind of have like a, a small grasp on it? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends. Like the industry is constantly changing and evolving. I mean, it's hard to keep up even from my perspective. Right. And I've been in the industry for a very long time. So I think that, you know, we, we need to do our part to help educate people that may not be in the industry, but want to learn more about it, which is why I think having a podcast is a great option, mm -hmm. which is why writing about it is a great option because things are changing. The industry has changed so much and we just need to just, you know, keep educating people on it. So, you know, like I said, when I was speaking with uh, Richie Torres, he seemed genuinely interested in it. Andrew Yang, when I've spoken with him, he seems genuinely interested in it. Um, you know, RFK Jr. may also be genuinely interested in it. Um, I just hope that it's for the right reasons. And I think a lot of that has to do with the technology side of things and what the technology can ensure moving forward. However, it is interesting um, that the XRP court ruling, according to uh, Ripple's chief legal officer, Stuart Alderati, I may be, I'm probably mispronouncing his last name. I think that's how you say it. Okay. So he basically was saying that he, or he has said in a Cointelegraph article and also in some comments that he gave to me that he hopes that the court ruling will help find the financial services industry finally start looking at digital assets for things like remittances, um, for payments. And so I think that's a great use case, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's, that's a really good use case. And that would also help move the industry forward. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's an important aspect too, you know, given fed now was just launched either it was yesterday or today, I think it was yesterday. Um, and I think all the hype around remittance and obviously XRP is one of those, uh, tokens that aids in that quite a bit and they have a lot of partnerships. So do a few others, um, so it'll be cool to see how those things kind of develop out and, and play out here in the near future. Um, Rachel, what's, what's next for you? Are you mostly focusing on reporting in the podcast? Um, are you, I know you said you wanted to update the book. 
Um, is there anything other than that that you're working on as well? Yeah. So what's next? Yes. So I'm working on um, my podcast, obviously. That's mm-hmm. kind of my main priority right now. And writing for Cointelegraph, I'm always on the lookout for interesting stories. Although lately, like really the XRP court ruling, it, it's fascinating. It, it is. It makes me just want to focus kind of strictly on regulations and what's happening in the United States because, you know, I think that these outcomes like with Coinbase and Binance and even what happens moving forward with the Ripple case, these are all going to be extremely important outcomes that are going to help shape the way the entire industry evolves. And so for me, anything in that realm has just, it's just really, really interesting because I'm more focused on how the industry is going to continue to evolve and grow, especially from a technology perspective. One hundred percent. Same here. Thing here with with the podcast. It's fun to interview people, especially builders in this industry, because you really get to understand what they are doing under the hood and what the tech can you know evolve into. I think before most people in the mainstream really get to see that. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a good part to be in. It's very fascinating and. Um, And thank you for coming on today. I love the fact that you could share all this knowledge. It's very insightful um, and definitely great to have your opinion on, you know, the XRP case and, you know, the ruling and how that kind of affects the space. So, you know, thank you for taking the time. Really do appreciate it, Rachel. Yeah, you're welcome, Brandon. Thanks for having me. And like I said, um, I'm not the expert on this, but Mm -hmm. I will suggest that your listeners check out the podcast I just did with Lewis Cohen and Margaret Rosenfeld. It's going to be up next week. Um, And they go into a lot of really important details about the XRP ruling from a legal perspective that um, if anybody's interested in learning about it, that's a really... Yeah, for sure. Where where can people find the podcast? I'm sure it's on Spotify, YouTube, et cetera. Yeah. So it's on Spotify, um, Apple... Um, all the po- major podcast platforms and then also on YouTube because it's a video podcast so you can watch it on YouTube. Awesome. We'll put links in the description for the episode below so they can find it. Um, we'll definitely share that episode when it comes out too. Uh, Rachel, Thanks. thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Brandon. Hey guys, quick message from our sponsor, Nitro Betting. Nitro Betting gives you so many options to bet, wager, play with a deep sports book from NFL to NBA, NHL, MLB, MMA to motorsports, poker, blackjack, esports, Rocket League, Call of Duty. There's plenty of diversity and choice for how you can play. So go to nitrobetting.eu to experience everything they have to offer. See you on the next episode, guys.